0: Hallelujah. Hmm. He's been good. Can we all stand here for the reading of the word? My goodness, he has been good. I just want to tell somebody today that, man, Jesus really loves you. And he wants to free you from guilt, from shame, from everything that is restricting you from lifting up your hands and worshiping him. I feel that so strongly my spirit. There are times like your arms almost feel like they're weighted, don't they? Like your tongue is tied down. But I've just come to tell you, he loves you. Oh, come on, can we lift up our hands right now? In the name of Jesus, let every guilt, shame that's from the past, let it fall right now on the authority of the word of God and the power that is in your name Jesus come on it's falling right now would you just begin to worship him come on he loves to hear the worship he loves to hear your words come on he loves to hear his name in your mouth we love you Jesus come on let it fall in the name of Jesus I've come to tell you that your past is not your present and it is definitely not your future Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah Thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus Thank you Jesus We're going to go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 17 I'm going to read here in verses 24 and 28 um, I can remember, and just when my wife was singing by the goodness of God, I can remember we were it, I, I don't even know what it was, but it was during COVID It was right in the beginning We had come back to the States because we didn't know Tiffany was pregnant with Grant our oldest, and uh, we didn't know if we were going to have him in the States or in Brazil or what was going to happen. It was in the beginning. He was born June 2020, and uh, I can remember we were in that corner. The church was all kind of tore up because uh, your pastor loves to work. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> and decided to remodel the church, <laughs> and I can remember we were driving through. I, I think we were about to fly back to Brazil, I think, and uh, we, we, we decided to have him down there. And uh, at the time, I can remember just standing in that corner, and we are talking about... Things of God and talking about what's happening in Brazil and everything else. And uh, uh, at the time we had, in, in, in January of 2020, we had just signed uh, the lease, two leases for our first two churches uh, in, in the city of Sao Paulo. We had some groups established and uh, we already started one church kind of near Campinas where we were with you all. And uh, uh, we, we felt like it was time to start th- these other two churches. And I, and it was j- January of 2020 and we got the churches ready in time to be shut down Uh, The world got, you know, turned upside down, right? Y'all remember that, you know? Flatten the curve two weeks, right? And we're going to be done with this. And uh, and, and I can remember just being in that corner just thinking like, you know, we're about to go back to Brazil thinking, I don't even know if we're going to have churches. And uh, I don't even know what's going to happen. We're trying to keep in touch with them. We're starting churches during COVID. That's crazy. Craziness. But God is faithful. But God is good. Amen. Fast forward now to some three and a half years later, here we are. Amen. Now there's now those churches are three churches, and now they started through more daughter works. Because God is good. Amen. God is good. Praise God. Getting emotional here. Amen. Second Kings chapter 17. And I'm not going to take a long time, but I do want to share what's on my heart. We've been traveling on deputation, probably have gone to 150 plus churches across America, and I'm not Brother Wade, and I'm so excited to hear Brother Wade. Um, and when, when when Pastor called me, I uh, um, I said, Yeah, you know, I've I've got messages in the vault, but the Lord said no, so here we go, Amen. And uh, I do believe I have a word from the Lord in Second Kings 17, verses 24 and 28. And the Bible says, "And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cushath and from Ava and from Hamath and." from Sepharavim and all these crazy names, amen and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel and they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof and so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord therefore the Lord sent lions among them which slew some of them now let me just let me just stop there for a second let me tell you you ain't never had a bad day until you got a lion chasing you can't pay my bills. Have you ever had a lion chasing you? Okay, we're good. We're doing good. Lions. Tigers and bears are mine. And they're killing them. That's terrifying. I don't care who you are. Verse 26, wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, the nations which thou hast removed in the places and the cities of Samaria Know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he hath sent lions among them. And behold, they slay them. Because they know not the manner of the God of that land. And the king of Assyria commanded them, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom ye brought from thence. And let them go dwell there. And let him teach them the manner of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria, came and dwelt in Bethel, and taught them how they should fear the Lord, amen, I want to speak just for a few moments tonight, going back to the field, amen, going back to the field, can you greet somebody around you, give them a big smile, tell them welcome, love you, so thankful you're here, amen, praise God. amen and you can be seated after you've done that going back to the field I know it's easy uh, for us to be prisoner of the moment in the day in which we're living we are living in a bad time yeah. <laughs> things are not getting better they're actually getting worse and I don't need to go on about that, but you know about that. But also when we look through the scripture, we can also see that the people of God lived in some very bad times too. Uh, They did. Uh, History can teach us a lot of things. Uh, We know that the children of Israel, when I speak of Israel, I'm saying the ten tribes of the northern part of Israel, they were taken captive first by the Assyrians and then uh, some 180 years later the, 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 the Judeans in the south, Jerusalem, they were taken captive by the Babylonians and then after the Babylonians come the Persians and after the Persians come the Medes, then the Greeks and then you have a brief period of the Maccabeans where there's a revolution and the Jews take back control of Israel but now you're getting to the conquest of Rome and you realize that the land of Israel has always uh, been under siege. I read somewhere that Jerusalem has been conquered and reconquered in history some 38 times. 38 times. It is one of the most war-torn areas of the world. It is in the center of the earth by by purpose. It connects Asia, Europe, and Africa. It is literally the crossroads of all of the world. And that is where God chose to place His chosen people. Not to... Be influenced by the others, no, but to influence the others around them. To be a beacon of light, to be a beacon of hope, to be a people that were set apart by his name. And we know that whenever Israel, and you know this if you are a Bible scholar, if you go to purpose, if you go to midweek Bible study, you should know this, that there is a cycle in the Old Testament where the people of Israel would trust God and they would get victory. And then after getting victory, they would start to get a little full of themselves and start trusting in themselves. And then God would get really annoyed at them trusting in themselves and trying to be like everybody around them. So he would send uh, 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 armies and and battalions of people from all over the earth to humble them so that they would then get back on their knees and pray to God and trust God again so that he would give them the victory. And that goes on over and over and over and over and over until the very point in which we see here that Israel has passed the point of no return. Things are very, very bad for the people of Israel. They have, they have separated themselves from the house of David. Uh, you see, they had good kings, but there's a difference between being a good king and being an anointed king. There's a difference between being good Good politically and being good with God. Right. And they begin to really mix up which was which. And the Bible says in chapter uh, uh, 17 of 2 Kings that the Lord had sent them prophets yeah. to warn them time after time again. That there was disaster that was going to come upon the people of Israel because they were seeking after the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Yeah. They didn't stop being religious. Let me just say that. They didn't stop dressing the part. They liked the festivals. It was an excuse for them to get together and eat, drink and be merry. Come on. Let me just say it like it is. They were the potluck people. Yeah. I don't know if you call them potlucks, banquet people. I don't know what you uh, cookout people. Whatever it's called. Whenever the church is serving up donuts, right? Come on. It's like, who are you? Have you I, I think I saw you 1998. They liked the blessings of God, but they really didn't like the commandments of God. Mm. And here's the thing. They knew how to play church. They knew how to play church. They knew what the sacrifices looked like. But in verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 17, the Bible says, and this is the New Living Translation, that the people of Israel had also secretly done many things that were not pleasing to God. You see, they had a double life. And I just tell you, when you have a double and a triple and a quadruple and a quintuple and a sextuple life, which life is God going to bless? Come on. Which life is God going to pour out his spirit on? Is it going to be the church version of you or the school version of you or the at-home version of you or the version of you that your wife don't even know? Which version is he going to be able to touch and bless and use? They followed not God, but they followed the nations around them. They trusted not in God, but they trusted in the nations around them. Can I tell you that not trusting in God is a sin? Oh, man. Not trusting in God is a sin. We go around the United States, and, 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 and forgive me for being like this, but, you know, we, we, we went to Brazil some 10 years ago. We love it. We couldn't imagine a life anywhere else in the United States of America and we have people come up to us all the time and they say and i know what they're meaning to say i would never do that i would never let my son take my grandkids away for another and i'm like have you read your bible jesus says if you're not willing to leave family mother and father and kin and land and job you're not ready to be my disciple Why? Because we have to trust that the God who keeps me in the United States of America is the same God that's going to keep me in Brazil, in the Middle East. It doesn't matter. He is God, and I trust in him. But so the people could not get that through their thick call. They had idolatry. They were, they were religious, but they were not faithful. They liked the liturgy. They liked to play church, but they had secrets in their homes and they had secret lifestyles, but yet the word of God was still true in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. It's still stated, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That promise was from God to his people. I'm going to do it if you will just find an altar. You're not too far gone, Israel. I, I know it's been a long time since you have been submitted to the Davidic kingdom, but I still want to tell you that I love you, that I'm, I'm rooting for you, that I want the best for you, and I'm here for you, and I, and I want to bless you. I don't want to curse you. But then the Lord raised up a people called the Assyrians. The Assyrians coming from the east were a bad, bad group of people. You can read in the annals of history about what the Assyrians would do to their captive captive people. They would enslave them and things that you could not imagine. That's what Assyria was. Assyria was the most brutal empire of all of the empires that had come before. And it's Assyria that is now knocking on the door of Israel. The northern tribes... And it is the kings of Israel who are seeking to make alliances with Egypt and alliances with Syria, but not alliances with God. They're running into the very trap that the devil has placed before them. Can I just tell somebody today, the way out is not going deeper into sin. The way out. Is not shooting up another time. The way out is not taking another bottle and bringing it to your lips. The way out is in the house of God. It's on your knees, it's on your face. It's saying, God, here I am. I, I need you, Lord. That's the way out. Yet instead of seeing a clear way out, they, 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 they run and they try to do everything they can like a caged animal, trying to escape the predator. They are just running from one disaster to the other. And the Assyrians come and they devastate the land. And this is what the Assyrians would do. They wouldn't just conquer the cities. No, they would enslave the people because almost all of the able-bodied men of the Assyrian Empire were always constantly at war so the enslaved people by which they would conquer would usually go back into Assyrian territories to be maids and to be house servants and to uh, 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 be offered in sacrifices to pagan gods on pagan altars and and this was a system that Assyria had they said when we go and conquer a people we are not going to let the people stay where we have conquered them from we're going to rip them up from their homes We're going to take them out from their cities and we're going to bring them to another city. And the people that we just whipped out of their homes, we're going to take another people that we just conquered from over there. And we're going to bring them into your home to live over here so that the people will never have any affinity to the land in which they are living. It was a brilliant moment. It was a brilliant uh, uh, military strategy that they had. And here's the people coming into the land of Israel to live. They are not God's people. They are people that have been conquered from other lands. They are people that have been devastated. They are people that have zero connection to Abraham, zero connection to Sinai, zero connection to the things of God. These are just pagan people now that Assyria is taking From over here on the Mediterranean and bringing them into the land of Israel saying, now you're going to live in Sychar and you're going to live in Bethel and you're going to live in Dan and you're going to live over here. And that's what happened. One after one, they began to repopulate the land with people that were pagan. Now Judah was still strong in the south. But now the northern ten tribes of, of, of Israel are, are captive and they are filled with people who are not like the people of God. But something happened. Lions begin to show up and begin to maul those people who were living in the homes that once belonged to the Israelites. And it was so devastating that the people petitioned the king of Assyria saying, Please, find a priest. Find the man of God and send him here so that we can learn about the God of the land of Israel. Because we cannot even stand in the presence of this place. What l- 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 let me say it another way. They're saying, hey, can we just find one of those old fogey, old fashioned holiness? Bible fire spitting preachers, the ones that never compromised, the ones that never changed their beliefs, the ones that stood, come on somebody, in an evil culture, face to face saying, I will not compromise what I believe. We need one of them to come back into the land and teach us how to live, how to serve this God. Can I tell somebody tonight, the world needs a lot more than just a TED talk. The world needs a lot more than just a motivational speaker. It needs a lot more than just a three-point sermon that has no anointing. The world needs preachers of the gospel to stop just preaching behind pulpits and begin preaching out in the field. The world needs the anointing and power of God that comes when man is submitted to God. Not just in your mind and your body, and your soul. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your power, with all your strength, with everything that is inside of you. Why? Because if I give anything less than all, (laughs) if I give anything less than all, I'm, I'm exactly like the Israelites who just liked the pageantry of church but did not like the commitment of being faithful to God. Come on, Can you imagine with me for one moment this priest? He's minding his own business one day, and they come and say, hey, we're going to bring you back up. Hey, did hey do you know the Shema? Yeah, I know the Shema. Do you know the Word of God? Yeah, I know the Word of God. Do you know the 663 commandments? Yes, I know them all. Okay, we're going to bring you back to the land because you got to teach the people here how... To love the Lord. Teach these pagans how to honor the Sabbath. Teach them how to honor their mother and father. Teach them what is clean and what is not clean. Teach them what's holy and what's not holy. What was he doing? The priest The priest was tasked with the job of making a line and defining what is of God and what is not of God. And he made that line and said, This, this is how we serve the God of this land. The world hates when we draw lines. Yes, sir. The world hates when you speak in absolutes. That there is one way. That there is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. Sorry about it. We can't change the word of God. They don't like it, even Christians don't like it. You're so dogmatic. We have to draw that line in the sand to define what is and what is not. And this priest drawing that line is teaching them, this is what honors God. This is what brings destruction and death. He is literally standing on the rubble of recently destroyed cities in Israel. He is in the backdrop. is smoke coming out of the cities of, of, of people who were ripped out of their homes. Mothers and children who were killed, enslaved, and he's teaching them. Learn from the destruction that surrounds you today. Learn from what goes wrong and what goes right in your walk with God. Can I just say it like this? How many marriages have to fail before you learn? You learn that the word of God is true. How many marriages have to fail before you realize in your mind, well, I'm just going to split by and I'm going to be that .001% of, no! The priest is standing on the rubble of what once was, teaching them to honor God, teaching them, this is how you live for the Lord. How many kids have to leave truth because mom and dad were one way in church and another way at home? Come on. How many lives have to be destroyed by prayerlessness until we wise up and learn how to pray? We We don't pray so we can preach good and sing good. We pray so that we can be in communion with our Savior. I don't care if you do one more miracle in my life, God, but don't take your voice away from my life. I need your voice. It is life to me. It is everything. We've all seen marriages, families, and lives be destroyed by these things, yet somehow we keep telling ourselves the age-old lie that we can skirt by. Listen to this preacher tonight. You cannot skirt by. God is just. He is merciful. He is gracious. Amen. But he is just. I admire this priest was captive, and now he's back in the land of Israel, and he's tasked to teach these pagans about the one true God. And the Bible says that they began to serve that one true God. Now, here's the thing. They didn't serve him perfectly. They were a little messy. They were really messy, actually. What they ended up doing was actually just making a big mixture of Judaism with everything else. And let's fast forward now 700 years. Now we are in the time of Jesus. And now we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And Jesus is saying, I must needs go through Samaria, the same exact place that that priest was sent to teach the people about God. And here's the thing as this priest had a hard task at hand, now Jesus is coming. And it's only gotten worse between the Jews and Samaritans. These are people who hate each other, and that's, a, that's that's saying it nicely. They really do not like each other. The Samaritans are the byproduct of what was done back in Second Kings chapter 17. They were taught the Word of God. They now are a part of Abraham, but here's the thing: they got some wonky beliefs. They're like, we love Moses, and everybody else is kind of like, whatever. What? So really, we only share just a very small percentage of the same Bible with them. The rest of it, they're just kind of marking out. And here's the other thing. They say that, you know, Jerusalem is the place of worship, but no, they're actually bringing it to Mount Gerizim. They're saying this is the place of worship. So now there's a dispute. And in the in-between period of the Testament, Old and New Testament the Maccabees, when they come into power, the Jewish revolution of patriotism, nationalism, and they, and, and they, and they throw out their Greek uh, 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 captors from the land, they go and the Jews destroy the temple that was in Samaria that was on Mount Gerizim. So that's recent history. So the people do not like each other. Yes, they worship the one true God, but really they had nothing else in common. The people of Samaria would go on to live in the land of Israel. They would go on to oppose Nehemiah when he was building the wall. They would go on to fight and bicker back and forth, back and forth. But Jesus arrived in John chapter 4 with some unfinished business. You see, he remembered his word. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, 9, through 16, therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. The Jews said, the Samaritans are gone. We don't want anything with them. They are just heathen people that the Assyrians placed into those cities. They have nothing to do with us. They are not like us. Their, their blood does not bleed the same color as our blood. We are different in every single way. But the Bible says in Psalms chapter 100 and verse 5 for the Lord is good, his mercy endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The people may have forgotten about the Samaritans but can I just tell you Jesus didn't forget about the Samaritans. Everyone might have said Jesus, we don't want to go to Samaria. But Jesus said, we're going through Samaria. Jesus, we'd rather that we go through the heart of Rome than go through Samaria. But Jesus is saying, I have some unfinished business to do with my people. I have to talk with this woman, and it's going to be uncomfortable. It often is uncomfortable, right? And God has a word for you, It's super uncomfortable for pastors. Let me just tell you that. It's even more. Because it hurts. It stings. And he goes and he sees the woman that's at the well. And you know this story. It's Jacob's well. There's a lot of history here. There's a lot of, of tradition. And Jesus just says to her a very simple phrase, give me something to drink. But here's the thing. Jesus has sent his disciples away into the city to buy some food. He said, hey, I'm not going. My job is not to embarrass her. I'll send 12 grown men to get some lunch. Last time I checked, you don't need 12 grown men to buy lunch. And They're going off into the city like overkill, right? To get the pizza. Just so that he can have this one-on-one conversation with her. You see, he already knew what she was going through. He already, she didn't know that he knew. But he already knew. And he already determined for ages that I... I'm going to bring the good news to this place. I've come to refresh this place. The place that everybody has discarded to the side. The place that nobody wants to go to or through. I am coming here now to do the work. And they begin to talk. And she says, if you're a Jew, why are you coming to me in the midday hour? We know that story. And she says, oh, if you know, you know it's not the gift of God and who it is that says you give it to drink, you would have asked of him that he would give you living water. Jesus is saying, hey, lady, you don't even know who you're talking to right now. Can I just tell you one of, some of the most incredible moves of God and things that God will just deposit into your life. You have no idea that it's about to come. Isn't that amazing? Amen. It's not hype. It's anybody anybody been smacked up through the head yeah. by God sometimes? Yeah. Where you're just like thinking, you're just like eating some pizza, and my goodness, and like a word of the Lord comes, and you're just like, what's happening? Well, you need it. She has no idea that the God of all creation who created that well is standing in front of her. But here's the thing: Jesus shifts the conversation and he shifts the focus and and she doesn't even imagine that her day is going to go like that and she starts to deflect right like many people do well we worship here on this mountain and you guys worship over in Jerusalem and and we have a lot of history Jesus that's what she's saying your people hate my people and my people hate your people but here's the deal She's correctly diagnosing the problem that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews. She is. It doesn't take discernment to correctly diagnose what's going on in the world today. There's some people think they're prophets, they're just reciting the news. Oof. Some bad stuff going on here. That's all she's doing. We got some bad blood, Jesus. He's like, yeah, I know. I get it. (laughs) But Jesus is not focusing on what was. He's focusing on what's about to be. He's focusing on the opportunity that is at stake, that it's not going to matter. He says, hey, it's not going to matter if you're worshiping here or in Jerusalem or in Denison, Texas. It's going to be coming the hour and now is that the true Worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He's saying, hey, I'm about to rock your expectations right now and tell you what is going to be. And this is the moment. Remember the priest in 2 Kings chapter 17. This is the moment the high priest comes in. They got a little bit of it back in 2 Kings chapter 17, the Samaritans. Now they didn't change their beliefs very much, but they started worshiping God and he relented and he stopped the attack of the, of, of, of the wild lions on the people, right? But now there is a high priest that has come to Samaria and he is saying, hey, I've got something different. I'm not just bringing teaching with me. I am also bringing my spirit. Yes. Yes. And it will lead you and guide you to whatever you need. And all. Her response is, well, I'm still looking for that Messiah. We can't wait till he comes. And Jesus simply turns to her and says, Lady, I am. I am. In a world today that is looking for Jesus, don't give them anything else but Jesus. Amen. Yeah. This is what it's all about. I'm thankful for backpack giveaways and potlucks and fall fests and trunk retreats, whatever you want to call it, Mike. But give them Jesus is the one thing that'll fill their life and their desire and their heart and everything they are looking for. They are not looking for just another pretty church. They're not just looking for a good music program and a great nursery. They are looking for Jesus. They're not looking for cute preaching, they're looking for Jesus. 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 And it's that world that's looking for Jesus, and we have to give them Jesus. And I'm going to come to a close here in just a second. but he says in verse 14 of John chapter four, "But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst." But the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up to everlasting life. And this is the moment where thirst, I love that from this prayer and from the opening of this service. Thirst comes in. Not after the water that was in that well anymore, but it was after what Jesus was offering. In verse 15, the woman could barely contain herself. She said, Sir, give me this water that I may thirst not. Give me this water that I may thirst not. Can I just tell you something? The people are calling outside of these doors. Maybe inside this house, you're here, you're a visitor, and you may not know it, but my goodness, you are thirsting and hungering after something, that drugs, that alcohol, that relationships, that nothing has ever been able to fill. And I've come to tell you that his name is Jesus, and he's here to fill you if you are thirsty. Come on, somebody. He's here to restore your life. He's here to bring you peace and joy and love that is in the Holy Ghost. Yes. And Jesus blows up their whole expectation. The, the boys come back with lunch, and they're like, Jesus, we got lunch. You, 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 you happy? We got some lunch. We got some lunch. Why, why are you talking to that woman? And they start to rebuke Jesus. I just tell you, it's never a good idea to rebuke Jesus. Never, ever has worked out good for anybody. <laughs> They're saying, Master, we got some food. Stop talking to that woman and come eat. We got some great, what y'all have in Dallas? Rudy's, right, barbecue? Yeah. Got, some, got some brisket. It took 12 of us to get food. Got sweet potato fries. Mashed potato and gravy. Mm. We got some jalapeno poppers. Come on. Somebody. We got some Texas toast. Ain't no Oklahoma toast. Some Texas toast. <laughs> Come on and eat. <laughs> and Jesus turns to them and says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. You know not of. Amen. And they're like, uh, you already got food? Jesus saying, "No, no, 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 no. My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work." Jesus is looking back on that priest who came back to a, who came back from Assyria to teach the people, those pagans, those Samaritans, those half-breeds, those people who had no right to be where they were. Jesus is looking back to that priest and saying, "Hey, I'm coming back to complete that work." You may say that this is a people that don't deserve it. You may think that they, they, they are just so far gone. But I've come to tell you that they are the reason why I am here. Yeah. And he says, say ye not there are four months then come at the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields for they are white and all ready to harvest. What he's saying is, hey, you got to stop with the cop out of I'm just in a bad season. Well, maybe in the next season of life, and some of you have been in bad seasons for years. That's not how seasons work. Wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ arrives, it is season for harvest. Look to the fields. You don't have to wait for some special service. And my goodness, we got to get through these next months so that we can begin. No, preach the gospel. The instant in season and out of season. Why? Because there are hungry people who are waiting for the gospel to be preached to them. The disciples thought to themselves, it's in this land in Jerusalem. This is the goal. This is the point. This is what we're all about is just getting Jerusalem saved. And God said, no. I created the world. The earth is of the Lord's and the fullness thereof. These are all my people. And it's in Samaria. And I'm coming to a close. The musicians will come back. It's in Samaria. Where the people don't look like them They don't talk like them They don't worship like them They are the enemies of Israel They are the people that I know we're in Texas here But they are the people that You kind of look back at the security At the door and be like You good? You, you, You got it? You got some lead? All right." They're those people That's why the disciples are so shocked. They're just like, what? I find it interesting that Jesus is saying this in Sychar. He's saying this in a land currently that is being bombarded today. From that fighting that still is going on. Oh, God, let us never be so captivated by politics that we forget who your people are that need to hear your word. It's for the Jews in Israel and it's for the Muslims in Palestine. This gospel shall be preached. And in the end will come. Can we all stand here? Jesus doesn't care about the letters in front of your name. He could care less about who your daddy, granddaddy, great-great-granddaddy was. But he cares about her. He cares about that woman who nobody cares about. He cares. And this is what I want to get to about your situation and about you. Aren't you thankful that God cares about you? How many of you know that when you got into the church, you had nothing to offer him? You may have came in like a leech, just ready to get all for yourself. But can I just tell you, he filled you. And he didn't just fill you up halfway, he filled you up till you overflowed. He cares about you. He sees you in the multitude of people. He seed me. He saw me in the multitude. He said, I love you, and I care for you. I'll never forget, and, and this isn't even in my notes. I, I can remember as a kid, and uh, it's the weirdest thing, but I just knew I was called to missions as a kid. I, I can remember, I don't know, if Pastor Darren was there, but the general conference in San Antonio, Texas, 1996. Yeah, there. yeah I was there. Too. Alamo Dome. I was, a, I was a six years old. And uh, I remember Billy Cole preaching. I'll never forget. Remember that? The crusade? I can remember in that moment lifting up my hands and I didn't get the Holy Ghost out By my goodness, I got close. But I remember having, as a kid, I can remember this day having visions of things that the Lord is doing now in person. He saw that multitude of people, some 30,000, 40,000 people gathered. And he saw me. He saw a seven-year-old, <laughs> snot-nosed kid. He said, I want to use you. I want to use you to go to a place that you've never been. I want to use you to preach my gospel my goodness can we just stop worrying about being used right here and start worrying about being used out there that's what it's all about can you hear the Lord of the harvest saying, go go teach a Bible study talk to your neighbor." to the field give abandon, sacrifice do whatever you have why? because there are people who are calling there are people who are calling from other fields Paul was having having a grand old time preaching the gospel in Asia but he had a call of the Macedonian man came and said go will you come and will you help us and it jolted Paul he said I gotta go I have to go and meet this person. Where did he meet that Macedonian man? I believe he met him. It was the jailer in Philippi, ready to kill himself and end his life. And Paul said, hey, we're all here. Don't kill yourself. There's a better way. And he was baptized that night in the name of Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you that is here under the sound of my voice. Come on, I I want you to believe that. He has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. Maybe you're the Samaritan woman tonight. And you had no idea that you would be coming into a service like this. And that the God of all creation in the universe would meet you here. I've come to tell you. Come on somebody. He's here to fill you. He's not here to just give you a touch. He's here to fill you with his presence tired of sin, you're tired of despair you're tired of everything that comes with it. you're tired of sleepless nights, you've gotten so used to the disease of sin that you think it's normal but I've come to tell you it's not normal it's not normal you want to feel as light as a cloud in this world there may be bombs going off around you but you want to have a joy that's inside of you that passes all understanding. That doesn't even make sense to anybody else. Why? Because God has filled you with his presence. Come on, you may not have come expecting it, but I've come expecting and telling you today that if you're here under the sound of my voice and you need the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. Oh, I wish we would give him a hand clap of praise. maybe you're here and you're a seasoned saint I'm thankful for you I'm thankful for your faithfulness to the house of God I'm thankful for your faithfulness in giving but hear me please don't misunderstand me there's always more more that you can give more that you can sacrifice there's no expiration date to sacrifice the disciples had been walking with Jesus they had left everything they had every right to be entitled And Jesus gives them a punch in the face and says, look to the field here, here. These people that you've discounted and know that I want to save them and know that I want to use you to save them. So right now, all across this place, would you close your eyes? And would you just lift up your hands? Come on, I want to right now... Before we step out from where we're seated to come to the altar, will we just lift up our hands and our voices? But I want us to repent all across this place. We all have sinned. We've all come short of the glory. Come on, would you just be able to say, Lord, I'm here. Jesus, that you would forgive me, God. Forgive me of everything that I've said, Lord, that did not please you. Forgive me of every thought that has passed through my brain that was against your word and that did not please you forgive me of everything I've heard that did not please you God forgive me of everything that I've seen Lord that was not of you that I should not have seen forgive me Lord I confess my sins come on with your mouth right now forgive me of every word of contentious and, and evil that I have spoken God come on would you just begin to worship would you just begin to say that Lord forgive me Cleanse me, wash me. If we confess our sins, he is just and he is able to forgive. All across this place, you know what you've done. I don't know what you've done, but would you just begin to lift up your hands? Come on. You're going to have to press just a little bit more because on the other side of repentance comes his glory. Oh, forgive me of the things that I've done with my hands, oh God, that I should not have done. The places that I have gone with my feet that did not please you. Lord, search me cleanse me and wash me and make me new in your presence oh God that's it in the name of Jesus come on keep going I want you to keep praying right now just say oh God if there's anything hidden I don't want to live like the Israelites a double life with things hidden in my home and in my heart God would you shine your light down because I want to be renewed and refreshed and delivered that's it in the name of Jesus yes Hallelujah, hallelujah, that's it. Come on, I feel freedom in the house. Would you lift up your hands? And all across this place, I want you to just pay attention. We're going to have the altar call right now. But I come to tell you, the Lord is here to fill you, for you. When he fills you with your spirit, it's going to be unlike anything you've ever felt before. You're going to feel a joy and a peace and a love like you've never felt before. The evidence of God filling you with his spirit is the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Now, everybody that's repented, would you lift up your hand and say, hey, I repented of my sins today. If you have repented of your sins, that means that you are eligible to be filled and refilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's exciting. Come on, that's exciting. Hallelujah. Yes, let's give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. And I know it's not hype. But if you need the Holy Ghost, I want to invite you up here to the front. If you've not yet spoken with other tongues, would you come up to the front? We have prayer leaders here in the front that will pray for you. If you need something from the Lord, if you need the Holy Ghost, you've not yet spoken with other tongues, would you step out from where you're standing and would you come to the front? Because can we testify here? Can anybody testify that the Lord's been good? That the Holy Ghost was the best decision you've ever made to seek after. Amen. All across this place, every eye closed. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to invite you up to the front, but also if you need a touch in your body, in your marriage, in your life, things that are unspoken, things that nobody even knows about, I want you to stand, step out from where you're standing and come to the front. As an act, as an as a as a as a sign of Lord, I want you to fill me. Come on, all across this place, would you fill up these altars? Every eye closed, every hand lifted up. Come on, he's gonna meet us here in this place. In the name of Jesus. That's it. If you need if you have a need in your body, if you have a need in your mind, if you have a need in your family, don't be ashamed. Just come on up to the front. That's it. Come on. Would you fill up this altar? If you've not yet received the Holy Ghost, if you need a miracle, a touch in your body, I've come to tell you that God is here to touch you. Come on. Would you fill up this altar? All across this place, intercessors, would you raise up your hands? Huh. In the name of Jesus, come on. I've come against doubt. i come against fear anxiety, depression, in the name of Jesus right now, every, every hand raised, every eye closed. Come on, would you begin to look up to heaven in the name of Jesus? If you've not yet received the Holy Ghost, I want to call you to the front. It's the best thing in the world that you can possibly receive. He wants to fill you. That's it, in the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody, I need your prayer warriors lifted up your hands. Come on, would you fill in these altars? God, I need you. Come on, if you need a fresh anointing, a fresh touch, If you feel like God's calling you to a field, calling you to sacrifice to go, would you come up to the front in the name of Jesus right now. Come on, every hand raised, every eye closed. Would you lift up your voice? Lord, that you would fill this house. Holy Spirit, begin to move. Begin to work, oh God. Do everything that we cannot do in this house. Fill those, Lord, that need to be filled with your presence. Touch those, Lord, that need a touch, a fresh renewal, a touch from your spirit. In the name of Jesus, that's it. Let every doubt, let every fear and anxiety and depression cease right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, it's leaving right now. Every chain be broken. Hallelujah. Bondage. In the name of Jesus, let it fall. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus, it's happening right now. Be in the push just a little bit more. Be in the praise just a little bit more. Come on, it's on the other side. I speak fresh anointing. I speak fresh deliverance right now in the house in Jesus' name.